Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 45. We've already been teaching the children that Genesis, which means, of course, beginnings or origins, is the most important book in all of the Bible. The book of Genesis is really the foundational book of the Bible, not only the first book. Without the book of Genesis, nothing else makes sense in the scriptures. You're trying to build a house without a foundation. We're coming to Genesis chapter 45, and we're going to read from the verse 1. Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. The Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, are angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet they are five years, in the which they shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me thither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me. Thousand thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is by my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that thou hast seen, 
And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 15. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Genesis chapter 45 and verses 1 to 4. And my subject this evening is Joseph making himself known to his brethren. It says in verse 1, And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Now the story of Joseph in the Bible is well known by the children and by the adults. At this point in the narrative, Joseph is a mature man of about 39 years of age. He has been well educated in the house of Pharaoh. He's now a man of great power and authority and standing. A man who is actually Egypt's prime minister. Second in command to Pharaoh himself. 22 years have gone past since he was first introduced to us in the scriptures. Genesis 37. At that time he was but a mere teenager. 17 years of age. He's given the job of tending his father's flock. We know that he's hated by his brothers because of the purity of his life and because of the dreams that God gave him, which were actually revelations from the Lord about future events that were going to happen, and because of his words. As a result of this hatred, his brothers planned to murder him. He's then sold as a slave. Down in Egypt, while in times the Lord blesses him, on another occasion he's the victim of lies, slander and falsehood. He enters into a state of condemnation in prison. He's placed there in prison with two criminals. Then eventually he's brought out of this condemned place. He's lifted onto the throne. And he's brought into the throne of Egypt for a purpose to dispense the bread of life to perishing multitudes throughout the known world. Now we could say tonight that the life and times of Joseph have to be seen as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say no other Old Testament character portrays a more clearer or better picture or type of Jesus Christ than Joseph in his character and in his conduct. The life of Joseph is on a parallel with the life of Jesus Christ. Wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ hated and despised? Because of the purity of his life? Wasn't he hated because of his words? Wasn't he sold? Wasn't the Lord Jesus the victim of slander and ridicule? Wasn't the Lord Jesus brought into the place of condemnation? Remember on the cross 
He was placed between two criminals, one on either side. The Bible tells us he was taken from prison and from judgment. And the Lord Jesus um, went, of course, from the place of condemnation and was brought to the throne. And he's on the throne tonight and he's there to meet the need of men who are hungering for the bread of life. Joseph is a good pattern and picture and foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Now according to our text, Genesis 41, or 45 verses 1 to 4, Joseph's brothers have come to him the second time to buy food. You've got to remember that Judah has been in prison in Joseph's house for a time. He has been released and they're having some sort of chat and conversation. And it's at this point, according to verse 1 of chapter 45, that Joseph makes himself known to his brethren. In other words, he tells them who he is. And you notice twice in the reading, he says the words, I am Joseph, verse 3 and verse 4. Here's how he dealt with his brothers. It's interesting that he didn't make himself known the first time. It was on the second visit that he made himself known. And of course there's a wonderful picture here of how the Lord Jesus himself makes himself known unto sinners. And I have three things as I read this portion of scripture. And this portion of scripture was in my mind because of the word harvest. If you notice there's one of those 53 references to harvest in the Bible. Well here's one of them in the verse 6 and that's what brought my attention to this chapter. So there's three things here. Joseph making himself known to his brethren. It's a picture of Christ making himself known to sinners. Three things. One, a key focus in this revelation. It says in the text, Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. See, up to that point, Joseph's brothers didn't know him. They had no idea of who he was. And you've got to understand a little bit of the historicity of it all. Joseph's physical appearance had probably changed from the last time they saw him. Remember, he's a lad of 17. He's now 39. 22 years have passed. He probably was dressed differently. His mannerisms, the customs of Egypt, his speech, his surroundings. And of course, in, in light of this, there would be real reasons as to why they didn't know him. But the minute they came the first time to buy bread, he knew them. They didn't know him. Even though they were face to face with him on a number of occasions, they didn't know him until he revealed himself to them. Joseph 
made himself known unto his brethren. Now this is of course the teaching of the word of God. We don't know and understand the things of God or Jesus Christ until they are clearly revealed to us. It's impossible for us to know him intimately and personally by our own power and strength and wisdom. Romans 3, 10 to 11 talks about there's none that understandeth, uh, that there, there's none that seeketh after God. Now, of course, we've heard of Christ, but there's a difference between hearing him and knowing him. And the, the truth is that this is the state and condition of all men. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Joseph made himself known. And until he made himself known, his brethren were in the dark. And what is true of Joseph in dealing with his brothers is true of how the Lord Jesus deals with us. We are in the dark. We have no fellowship or communion with God. We have no relationship with the Lord. We are separated from him. We don't know God by ourselves, by our own power and ability. Ephesians 2 and 12 is right. We were without God and without Christ and without hope in this world. And we can be told about Christ. We can hear about him. But we'll not know him until he reveals himself to us. Turn over there to the book of Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Um, here's the Apostle Paul. And this is part of his testimony to us. Galatians chapter 1 and in the verse 15. It says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, look at verse 16, to reveal his son in me. That is to, to make Christ known to me. And once he revealed himself, then Paul entered into a very personal relationship with the Lord. He entered into a life of communion and fellowship with the Lord. And what was true of him was true of Joseph dealing with his brothers. And of course it's true of every individual. Once for utter strangers. And then once he reveals himself to us, they were brought into a unique sonship with him he's the object of trust he's a person that we can have full confidence in he's a person that we can delight him the knowledge of him thrills us with joy and that's the key focus in this revelation Joseph made himself known unto his brethren up to that point they didn't know and until Jesus makes himself known to us, why we can hear about him, we'll not know him intimately and personally. He'll not be the object of our trust 
a person that we can have full confidence in, a person that we delight in until we are brought to know him. Notice secondly here, the key features in this revelation. If you go back to Genesis, look with me at verse 1. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. Now note the first word there. Then. Here's one of the features in this revelation. There's a real preparation that takes place. The word then in the Hebrew is hotan which speaks of time at a precise moment, at a point in history, at a precise time. Prior to this moment, there was a preparatory work going on. There was an awakening taking place. And isn't it true that the Lord reveals himself to those whom he prepares. And the truth is he prepares sinners before he reveals himself to sinners. And how does he do that? There's the work of the Holy Spirit. Turn over there to John chapter 16. I've already referenced this in prayer tonight. John 16 the upper room discourse, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples. Look at verse 7. Sorrow hath filled your heart, he tells them in verse 6. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. John 16 and 7. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, this is a reference to the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin. And the word reprove means convince or convict. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Here's the Lord Jesus saying and teaching his disciples of the necessity of the great work of the Holy Spirit. And he reveals himself to those whom he prepares. He prepares sinners before he reveals himself and he prepares sinners through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is a, a, a preparatory work that's absolutely necessary because men need to be convinced and convicted of their sin, sin of unbelief. They need to be convicted of righteousness, that they have no righteousness of their own to come before God and they need an alien righteousness. They need a righteousness of another who's absolutely sinless, and they need to be convinced of judgment to come. And of course, this was prophetic in the upper room. And I believe this prophecy was fulfilled in Acts 2 and in other subsequent occasions. If you look at Acts chapter 2, 
You've got multitudes there as Peter preached in the day of Pentecost awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 2, they were pricked in their heart. And then they cried out, what shall we do? You see, there's never been a conversion in history, neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament, or even now in the 21st century, without the work and the awakening of the Holy Spirit. And once there's awakening by the Holy Spirit, then that brings about a turning point. We, we read there in Acts chapter 2, an amazing statement at the end of the chapter. In Acts chapter 2, we're told there, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. There was the reception of the word. They received it gladly. Why? Because this real preparation had taken place in their hearts. They were awakened by the Spirit. And it was at a precise moment in time when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Now notice something else, another feature. There's a real procedure that takes place. You see, these brothers had come to the point where they had already experienced three things. Let me tell you what they were. They experienced real hunger. The brothers felt and experienced real hunger. Remember, there's a famine in the land. And the famine is real. And the famine is sore. And physically, these brothers were often hungry. And they had a sense of need of bread. That's why they went down to Egypt in the first place. In other words, it began with a sense of need. They were hungry. And the hunger pangs that were felt in Jacob's household were used by the Lord to bring them literally and physically and geographically down into Egypt. And is not a picture of spiritual famine. A famine for the bread of life. It's not the way God works. He creates a desire within the sinner to be saved. He brings the, the, the sinner to the place where he's hungry for God, where he's hungry for the bread of life, where, he, where he's hungry for Christ. Jesus said in John 6 and 35, I am the bread of life. Didn't he say in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Didn't the psalmist say, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And this hunger and thirst is created through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. Before Joseph made himself known, he recognizes that his brothers are experiencing real hunger. And before Jesus Christ makes himself known to us, to bring us to himself, he makes men hungry for himself. 
by his Spirit. And of course we could thank God that this need of hunger was fully and wonderfully met. Genesis 47, 11 and 12. We, we read in that chapter that Joseph nourished his father and his family. They came full of hunger and he completely satisfied them. And is not what Christ does for us. A hunger is created in the soul. And that real hunger for him causes us to rise up and yearn for him. And he comes and reveals himself to us. And also he meets our need and completely satisfies us. Not only did they come with real hunger, but notice this, they come with real guilt. Look at Genesis chapter 42 and in the verse 7. It says, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? They said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Now, now you can write down that chapter to verse 21. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Speak I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child. And ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. See, here's another procedure that takes place. Not only is there a feeling of real hunger, but in the presence of Joseph, there's a feeling of real guilt comes over them. On their first visit, Joseph spoke roughly to them. He accused them of being spies, and they denied it that they were spies. And um, they says in verse 21, we are verily guilty concerning our brother. You see, the Lord's dealing with them. Their soul has now been brought into a state of distress. They're made to feel guilty, guilty of how they treated Joseph. Joseph, remember, because of the purity of his life, was hated and despised. When Joseph told them the dreams which were revelations from God, they hated him for these revelations. They hated him for his words. Their guilt was connected to their unbelief. They wanted to reject him. They wanted to refuse him. It was connected to their rebellion. Let's get rid of him. She is all coming back. The conscience has been awakened. Guilt of how they treated Joseph. And of course, this is how the Lord Jesus deals with sinners. Sinners are not only awakened to their need of him by way of a spiritual hunger, they are awakened to their need of him in relation to their guilt, their unbelief, their rebellion, their treatment of him. Notice something else. In this procedure, there was a third thing. Real terror. Look at Genesis chapter 42 again and in the, the, the um, verse 6. It says, Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. 
Now look at verse 28. And it says, And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? The Bible says, And their heart failed them. Again in verse 35, They were afraid. You see, there's a realization. There's a dawning comes into their mind. There's real terror in the presence of this man. We are in the hand, they're saying to themselves and one to another. We're in the hand of one who could destroy us. Joseph remembers the most powerful man in all Egypt. One word. They'll be executed on the spot. You see, here's the awakening that's taking place. Here's the preparation and the procedure. There's real hunger, there's real guilt, and there's real terror. See, they're being prepared by the Holy Ghost. And of course, that's the awakening of the sinner. And that sinner, because he's awakened by the Holy Ghost, experiences real hunger, real guilt, and real terror. He realizes, I'm a sinner in the hands of an angry God. I'm in the hand of one who who could destroy me. I'm in the hand of one who could put me into hell. He could send me there immediately because of my sin. And I'm without excuse. And of course, folks, here's a picture of all men. By the awakening of the Spirit, they need to be deeply, deeply, acutely aware of how spiritually hungry they are. They need to be brought to the place where they see themselves as men full of guilt. Men full of the deepest terror. And that's the type of men that we need to see. Here's the presentation, or the preparation and the procedure to bring men to Christ. We should pray for the ungodly. Because nothing else will cause them to come. Nothing else will cause them to seek the heavenly Joseph. They need the work of the Spirit. They need to be made hungry. They need to be made to feel their guilt. They need to be made to feel their terror. And we could pray that the Lord will do that. Has the Lord already done that in your heart? Notice one final thing. Not only the key focus in this revelation, Joseph made himself known, and the um, uh, key features, preparation and procedure. But notice, lastly, the, the key fact in this revelation. This revelation was given by Joseph personally. He said twice, I am Joseph. Verse 3 and verse 5. There's no man with him. Isn't that what the text says? And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. They're all put out. They're all put away. This revelation wasn't by human ingenuity and power, human wisdom. This revelation came by Joseph personally. Joseph was alone. And man, of course, has nothing to do with this work of Jesus revealing himself to sinners. The Lord Jesus works alone in redeeming and reconciling men and bringing them into a right relationship with himself. Notice also, this revelation was given in words. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, 
See, they still didn't know him at this point. They were looking at him. But they didn't know him. Their hearts were hungry. There's guilt in their mind. There's terror in their spirit. And then he speaks. And he speaks individually. He speaks powerfully. He, he speaks lovingly. And what does he say? I am Joseph. I, I still love you. I'm the beloved son. I love you despite your hatred and your bitterness against me. I love you in spite of all that you did. Isn't that how the Lord Jesus operates? Notice also he revealed his name. I am Joseph. Two times I've already underlined that. He didn't use his Egyptian name. Did you know that Joseph had another name? We're not embarrassed any of the young people that are here by asking them. But, but that name is given in um, the book of Genesis. Zaphna Paneah. It's associated with majesty and power and the glory of his office. Genesis 41-45. That was the name that Pharaoh gave him. But Joseph didn't say, I am Zaphna Paneah to them. He said, I am Joseph. That's the name that belonged to the beloved son of his father. It's a name associated with tenderness and love and affection. Jacob, remember, loved Joseph. And here's Joseph revealing his name to his brothers. Notice also he revealed a message of forgiveness. He says in verse 4, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. See, he's identifying with them now. He's saying, I'm your flesh and blood. There's a brotherhood that's mentioned. And of course, when we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and reveals himself to us personally because it's his work alone that saves the sinner. And as he reveals himself, he speaks his word. And he tells us about his love, his mercy. He tells us about his forgiveness. And he identifies himself with us. See, the Lord Jesus is presented in the Bible as the God-man. Uh, we believe that Christ is God incarnate. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Lord Jesus came in flesh, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And yet he was very God of very God. He took the form of a servant. He came as the, 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 the second Adam. He took the place of sinners. He reveals his forgiveness. There's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And notice also, he called them to himself and they came near. In fact, he says in verse 4, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. Perhaps these brothers wanted to run, somewhere to hide. But the Lord Jesus, like Joseph, was making himself approachable. And accessible. Come near unto me, he says. Enter into a relationship now with me. Come near to me and enjoy communion and fellowship with me. Your sin may have caused me to suffer. Yes, you did that to me. And you might expect that I'm angry at you. 
But I want you to understand, brothers, that behind the scenes God was at work. And God sent me to Egypt. And God raised me up to provide and perform a deliverance for you, my family, and for the world of men. God sent me to preserve you. God sent me to bring about a great deliverance. He called them to himself to come near and revealed God's plan and purpose. And here's the key facts. And oh, that we could grasp that. The Lord Jesus makes himself known to us personally. The Lord Jesus gives us his word. The the, the Lord Jesus reveals his name. I am Jesus. The Lord Jesus reveals his forgiveness. The Lord Jesus calls us to come near to him. And the Lord Jesus tells us about God's plan and purpose in sending him into the world. Isn't this the gospel? Let me just ask, do you know Jesus Christ tonight? Has his forgiveness of your sin been revealed to you? Have you heard his call, come near to me? That's what he's saying to you tonight. That's what he's saying now. There's no other time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. No man knoweth what a day may bring forth. He calls you to come to him now. And if he come to him, he says, all that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He is all that we need. Joseph making himself known to his brothers is a picture of Jesus making himself known to sinners. Is he known by you tonight? Can you say, he is all I need. May the Lord bless the truth of his word to your heart.